From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Hell yes, Mr. Robert. Thank you very much. It's Mike, the host. This is Mike Davidson Lives. Thanks for joining me here for the next half hour where I kind of talk about this, that, and uh, whatever else pops into mind. R.I.P. This one broke my heart when I saw it earlier today. I guess this happened, uh, God, Tuesday night. John Ramita Sr., no longer with us, died at the age of 93, legendary Marvel artist. Uh, he had been with the company since the 50s. He would draw romance and westerns, and then when the whole superhero thing blew up in the 60s, he started doing that stuff. Uh, he was drawing Daredevil for a little bit, and then uh, a slot opened up. Steve Ditko, the uh, co-creator of Spider-Man, stepped away, and so John Romita took the reins, and he thought he was just going to be doing this until he can do Daredevil again, and he ends up being one of the most iconic Spider-Man artists of all time. Uh, he uh, he drew some great stories, including uh, Spider-Man No More, introduced Mary Jane Watson to everybody, uh, the night that Gwen Stacy died. He drew that as well, and uh, he would go on to be the artistic director of Marvel. His, uh, his son... Uh, John Romita Jr. became an artist and did stuff for Marvel, and he actually tweeted out uh, how heartbroken the family is and that uh, John Romita Sr. was the greatest man he had ever known. And I think that's a, a, a fitting thing to say uh, of a son loving his father that much. Uh, James Gunn, who uh, just did Guardians of the Galaxy 3, he's doing stuff for DC now. He talked about on Twitter how he and his brother, as kids drew stuff and sent it to Marvel and John Romita Sr. actually wrote back and uh, gave him encouraging critiques I mean how cool is that by the way uh, just to kind of give you a, an idea of how influential uh, John Romita Sr. was uh, these are just a few of the characters he helped design and co-create Mary Jane Watson obviously Wolverine Kingpin, Bullseye, Luke Cage, Robbie Robertson, George Stacy, that's the uh, the father to Gwen, uh, Hammerhead, Shocker, Vulture, Monica Rambo, Hobgoblin, and The Punisher. So, yeah, he had a bit of influence over there at Marvel. Uh, condolences to the Romita family. I just got done reading a Best of John Romita uh, trade about a month or two back. Great stuff. Just, just a... Just... I know I'm being all fanboy right now, but uh, he's just one of the best artists to ever pick up a pen in the field of comics. All right, Father's Day around the corner. Excited about it. Shout out to my wife. Uh, as part of my Father's Day present, she actually cleaned my grill today uh, and did a very good job of it. And then she went and bought hamburger and hot dog buns because I told her I wanted to grill out. And so we're going to be doing that. Uh, she has kind of teased that there's going to be some more Father's Day gifts to come. Which has got me a little excited, uh, but I'm I'm very excited to grill because we were I really haven't done that. I think I did once in the spring, and then Memorial Day we were out of town, and then the last couple of weekends we've been battling not so fun stuff germ wise. So hopefully, hopefully we can actually get summer rolling here a little later than usual. All right, as you know, I'm a former radio guy, um, and. You know, there are some parts of the business I miss, like the actual talking on air, prepping for a show. Those are the parts of the business I miss, you know, talking to listeners. That's what I miss. There's other stuff I don't. 
Um, and this story that I saw from earlier in the week kind of gives you a feel as to why I'm not so interested in being that um, business anymore. Okay, uh, it's a story out of Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, this uh, this Uber Eats driver got carjacked. He's alive. He's fortunate to be alive. He's lucky, thank God, and all that. But uh, that is uh, that is his, his side hustle. He's actually a full-time sports co-host on a radio station down there in Knoxville, a Fox Sports affiliate. Um, and so, like, he's there doing that show, and then uh, most of the other time he's out delivering food. Yeah, uh, way, way to... <laughs> Way to really uh, treat your talent great there. I, you know, here's the thing, though. It's like, you know, sports radio, even even when radio was great, was never really all that great. I mean, listening to sports on radio, I'm, I'm good with. I love it. But sports talk has always been kind of a tough sell because it's fanboy talk for the most part. And, of course, if you get the, the ESPN pundits going, uh, it gets a little uh, political. Uh, but... You know, this is a full-time host that's... In Knoxville's not necessarily a small, small town. It's a mid-sized town. It's a college town, for Christ's sake. Uh, and, and your co-host, uh, just to you know, make ends meet, is out Uber Eat driving. Yeah. And this isn't a, you know, a plight of the working man, workers of the world unite type of rant here. I'm just saying that uh, th there's a reason why there's kind of a dearth of talent in the industry. And you get kind of a feel right there for that. All right, uh, speaking of sports, congrats to the Denver Nuggets. They are NBA champions. And the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, they are NHL champions. They have hoisted the cup. Uh, both encouraging signs that football season is ever so closer. Um, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a sad thing for Canada because uh, here you have uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights. They're a fairly young franchise. They're only a few years old and they've got a Stanley Cup. And not one Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup since 1993, and I think that's the Montreal Canadiens. Any Canadian listener out there, uh, feel free to correct me on my lack of hockey knowledge. But, uh, yeah, Las Vegas, transient town. You know, everybody's from somewhere else other than Vegas. Uh, their team has got a Stanley Cup. And Canada right now is just smoldering with, you know, indignation and... Forest fires. Okay, uh, by the way, congrats to Pat Sajak. He announced earlier this week he is stepping down from Wheel of Fortune. He will no longer be the host of the show, co-host of the show, after the 2023-2024 season. So this is going to be his last hurrah. I think he's like 76. He's been doing this since 83. It's a hell of a run. It's a pretty good run. Um, you know, there's been some rumors that Vanna White is... Uh, Concerned that she might be replaced or fired, but you know that she's been doing this for a while too. I would have to think she's got some pretty decent bank saved up, right? I mean, you you don't you don't stay on a game show that long and not get paid well. Uh, but you know, one of the more interesting rumors I've heard is that Ryan Seacrest could be up for Wheel of Fortune, and I don't think he'd be a bad co-host i mean he's just born to host crap that's that's what he does you want you want a new year's eve show hosted he'll do it uh you want him to put up with kelly ripper for a while uh he's done it uh of course he stepped away from that <laughs> um but you know he's, he's also got a pretty professional uh, approach to being a, a co-host or a host of anything so i mean say what you will about the guy the guy is willing to work 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Wheel of Fortune does with him, uh, with Pat Sajak, that is, stepping down. Okay, so the Tonys, uh, I kind of alluded to that last podcast and how nobody watches it, and I'm right. I think less than 4 million watched this award show, according to the ratings I'm looking at. And I'm talking about how that's a slight uptick, but I did the math on this, and it's not even, not even 4% of this pre, uh, previous Super Bowl's ratings. I mean, you know, you know, say what you will about the NFL. You still get, you know, over 100, anywhere from 100 to 120 million people watching the big game every freaking year. And they're toting, uh, the Tonys are back. And I'm just thinking, this is an award show for an art form that is pretty much exclusive to New York City. And you're broadcasting this in... Uh, the dead period of network television this summer. And, of course, you can make the argument that network television is just one continuous dead period with uh, uh, all these Rescue 911, uh, Chicago, Hope Fire, NCIS-type shows. I mean, that's all they have on network television now and now in the Tonys, and it's like nobody's watching this stuff. Yeah. So uh, there's that. The Flash, by the way, opens this weekend, and, uh, you know, they keep... Uh, Lowering the expectation. I, I've seen some contrasting reviews. I mean, some people are giving this favorable reviews, others not so much. Uh, I haven't really seen, like, uh, The Critical Drinker is a, uh, a film critic kind of guy I kind of follow on Twitter and other places, and he's alluded to the fact that it's been surprisingly decent, this movie. But uh, Neurotic, uh, he kind of tore this one a new a-hole. I mean, he doesn't think this is the worst superhero movie he's ever seen, but it's obviously kind of a lame duck movie because they're rebooting the DCEU or the DCU, whatever they're calling it, and uh, he's shown bits of the CGI, and it does not look good. I mean, but, you know, it's uh, kind of contrasting some of this hype about it being the best superhero movie ever, like you would hear people say, oh, yeah, I, I saw it, it was great. I mean, Stephen King was commenting, and it's like, I don't even think Stephen King is a superhero fan to begin with. I don't think, you know, I don't really equate him with uh, the comic book crowd. Uh, but you get all these weird celebrity endorsements for the movie, and it's not come out yet, and then you're seeing some of this crappy-ass CGI, and it's like, no, if it's... If it was one of the best superhero movies ever, it would be on par with uh, Avengers Endgame, at least. Um, but uh, th there's another interesting article with this movie, uh, Ezra Miller Not Cancelled. And they're talking about how the studio has successfully uh, found a way to keep him from getting cancelled. I wouldn't say this is successful. They've just basically kind of buried Ezra Miller and hyped up Michael Keaton's Batman being in this movie more so than anything. Uh, you know, and, and uh, Ezra Miller was at the uh, red carpet premiere, premiere of the movie and didn't say anything to the press and looked weirdo and all that stuff. And then, uh, of course, you have the movie opening this week. And I tell you what, if this if this thing does not do well, you can't really say it's he hasn't been canceled. But then again, I don't really, really recall him being in anything else aside from uh, tabloid headlines for all the crazy stuff that he stands accused of doing and how he hasn't been convicted or at least indicted on any of these charges or l anything seriously looked into. Uh, but uh, he has not been canceled yet. I don't think this movie's going to do as well. It'll be number one for sure this weekend, but uh, they're going to be kind of disappointed in those box office returns and uh, 
the second weekend is always the tell tale of the tape when it comes to these things. I mean, Spider-Man into the uh, uh, multiverse or into the Spider-Verse. Sorry, there's too many multiverse movies out there. It seems to be doing okay. But you know, that was the other thing, too, that Neurotic brought up, is the fact that this is a multiverse type of film coming out two weeks after another superhero multiverse film. And, you know, a year and a half after uh, No Way Home, which was very, very good. Probably the best of the lot. All right, uh, going into... Uh, another superhero thing, um, superhero movie thing, and uh, something that nobody asked for. You remember when Kevin Smith actually made movies, or at least tried to? Like, you know, in the 90s, you get kind of the feeling with the clerks and Chasing Amy, he could break out and do bigger things. Uh, Dogma had its moments. It had some great uh, religious satirical moments in it. But then, you know, he just kind of got fat and lazy, and then, you know, just does podcasts now. Uh, he was telling his podcast co-host that uh, he has the Joel Schumacher cut to Batman Forever. And it's 170 minutes long. So this is almost a three-hour movie. And it's a serious, darker tone. I don't know how... Uh, I don't know how it could be any more serious or darker uh, with with Jim Carrey in the cast, I, I it's a weird claim, but for some odd reason he's got this cut that nobody freaking asked for. Can we do uh, Joel the late Joel Schumacher a favor here? And you know we know he's even admitted he was the wrong guy for the job. We all know he was the wrong guy for the job, but he only got the job because uh, movie execs wanted to move on from that dark, weird ass Tim Burton uh, in his Batman his vision of Batman. So, you know, without Tim Burton, without Michael Keaton, they were pretty much doing a soft reboot uh, before reboot became a thing. And, yeah, they chose Joel Schumacher. This is basically the studio cut. Well, the studio cut would probably be the theatrical cut, but this was what the studio wanted. I don't know how great a Schumacher cut of, <laughs> of Batman Forever or Batman and Robin would be. It would probably be more cringe. Um, it's not anything anybody's asking for. And, I, you know, we get the so-and-so cuts now because of the Snyder cut, you know, of, of Justice League. Yeah, they released that, and they ended up rebooting DC anyway. This is not anything we want to see. I don't know why he's bragging about it. It's done. We've got, you know... And I think Joel Schumacher kind of gets forgiven a little bit, too, because, you know, we did get Christopher Nolan's Batman. We did get Ben Affleck trying on the Batsuit, and then uh, the Robert Pattinson one's not bad. We don't need more Batman. By the way, speaking of Christopher Nolan, uh, Warner Brothers wants him back. Uh, for those who don't know, there was a falling out between him and the studio back in 2020 when uh, the world shut down, and... You know, theaters were not open, and we couldn't go out and do anything fun. But Christopher Nolan had this movie, Tenet, that he wanted to show the world. Uh, he wanted people in theaters, and he was pissed off that Warner Brothers was going on the streaming bandwagon and hyping, hyping, hyping streaming platforms. You can watch movies from your own home. And uh, he, you know, he parted ways with them. It was, it was kind of a... It was kind of a semi-public divorce, but at the same time, it wasn't eating up a lot of headlines. That's why Oppenheimer is over at Universal. That's why he's doing this three-hour movie with Universal and not Warner Brothers coming up in July. Uh, they are doing what they can to get him back. They want him back because 
they uh, they see him as a creator of some great things like the Dark Knight trilogy, Inception, and some other things. Uh, and they want to be more inviting to directors. And it's kind of a, kind of an I told you so here. And what I mean by that is that uh, these movie studios are slowly realizing they can't make any money off of these damn streaming platforms. That their best hope still lies in making money up front at the box office. And that if you generate decent content, people will go and watch these movies. It's a slow crawl, if any at all. And, and Christopher Nolan does have a great track record. I do love a lot of his movies. Granted, not all of them speak to me. I mean, The Prestige, Interstellar, nah, he's done better. And uh, The Dark Knight Rises, well, it's kind of hard to do a great Batman movie after losing Heath Ledger like that. But, I mean, he's got a great track record overall, and he knows what people want to go see. It would make sense to ha try to woo him back. But time will tell. They have sent him uh, residual uh, checks of, uh, I guess, uh, the uh, royalties for Tenet. So he uh, got a seven-figure check from Warner Brothers for that. And he has done some post work over at Warner Brothers on Oppenheimer, apparently. So maybe that uh, that relationship is thawing out a little bit. Yeah, for Warner Brothers' sake, I hope so. Uh, Tenet does open up against a Warner Brothers property, Barbie, coming up July 21st. Uh, if you ask me, Barbie's probably going to win the weekend, just because it's not rated R and because uh, you know the kitsch and everything. I I don't think I would ever go see Barbie because. Just the pink alone burns my eyes. I yeah, it's that's right. I would rather go see a movie about making a nuclear bomb because I think it's easier than on my eyes than Barbie is. All right, so uh, staying over in the Warner Brothers AOL Discovery sandbox, Charles Barkley is going to do a show with Gail King over at CNN. It's probably not going to be a ratings winner, but you know a lot of people have been very encouraging to Charles Barkley and telling him, "Hey, man, you're jumping on a sinking ship." He has actually said that in an interview about his coming, <laughs> his coming uh, news talk show uh, where they discuss politics and such. But you know, this is coming right off the heels of CNN uh, losing its CEO. And he's just, you know, that's what he's encouraging, uh, encountering. And it's not encouraging to hear a co-host like that. But what would you expect from Charles Barkley, man? I mean, the guy's honest. You may not agree with everything he says, but the dude is brutally, brutally honest about crap. Uh, so I will give him that all day long, all freaking day long. Um, but uh, it, it should be very interesting to see how this works. Personally, I mean, he's probably going to say stuff that I agree with and stuff that I vehemently disagree with him on. But what would make this show better is if he showed up every night drunk. Not like sloppy drunk, but like three or four beers in him drunk, you know, where you, you get to that comfort level where you're just like, you know, I, I'm going to just say this and let it fly. That would be an interesting show. That's the show I want to see Chuck Barkley host. Uh, and, of course, he and uh, Kenny and 
and Shaq, you know, those those guys make uh, the NBA watchable. It's it's almost more fun to watch them do the halftime show and the post game show than some of the games half the time. He'll make he'll make CNN interesting. It's just you know, will it attract viewers? Highly doubtful. Um, <laughs> highly freaking doubt, doubtful. But you know, they should have gone with him as the morning show host over Don Lemon from the word go. All right, uh, this is disheartening. Um, as a guy who who loves the Beatles and loves rock music and uh, thinks the more organic the sound, the better the better the music and this is Paul McCartney Sir Paul McCartney talking about how he has completed a Beatles album with John Lennon vocals due to AI and um, if you stop right now and you hear that in the background that is that is actually the sound of John Lennon spinning in his grave. Um, just this is cringe. It's not a Beatles album. I mean, to me, a Beatles album is you know f the four Beatles sitting right there in a studio with George Martin producing it and knocking it out, knocking it out, knocking it out, and there is just a full catalog of those guys together for six years just churning out some of the greatest and yes worst music we've ever known um, that's that's the Beatles right there and I know uh, back in the 90s they had the anthology stuff where they found the lost vocals of John Lennon and it was um, you know Paul George and Ringo doing what they can to harmonize and to get that stuff surrounding it. That was probably the closest we would ever get to a Beatles album there. And of course, George Harrison passed away back in the early 2000s. And now we got this AI thing, and it's just, it's not the Beatles, man. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, going back to that whole thing where I was harping about how bad these uh, hologram tours were. Oh, you can see a hologram of Tupac or Whitney Houston or Dio you know, you go pay tickets and see this little light show with the vocals synced up. It's not the show. It's not the experience. They're not there. Uh, and it's kind of weird how cheap we're treating uh, life right now. Um, you know, granted, you've never met these artists. And that's, you know, that's fine. But, but this is not the experience. You're not hearing that human collaboration it's AI and Paul McCartney's going back to this, um, and it's kind of it's kind of sad because it feels like uh, the more and more we see of this stuff, uh, the more and more art kind of dies, and we're going to see more and more of that. Uh, speaking of art dying, we've got another anarchist attack thing going on over in Europe, and uh, it involves art. Because that's what anarchists love to do. They love to destroy art because art is a big, uh, a big piece of Western civilization. Uh, this time it takes place in Stockholm, Sweden. There's a museum out there. You know, a lot of big cities have museums. Uh, this happened earlier Wednesday. I uh, believe the painting in question is by Monet, and it is of his garden at his home in some town. But it's a nice looking painting and um, it's encased in glass but these uh, these two idiot girls decide to throw paint at it, smear it all over and glue themselves to the frame and um, basically talk about how uh, 
it's too it's not too late but it is too late like you think the pandemic was bad just wait until the seas rise and more diseases happen and it's just it's going to kill us all the global warming that's why they're doing this and that's it's nice that they're so concerned about everybody that they decided to you know try to deface somebody else's painting and that being of somebody who's been dead for almost a century here yeah so it is another attack on art another uh, which is basically i wouldn't say it's the most important thing of western civilization but it is kind of a kind of a mark of western civilization art like where we are or where we were at that time and uh for these art for these anarchists they're not environmentalists they're anarchists if they were concerned about the environment they'd be concerned about the actual environment that they're in at the moment you know some people that are environmentally conscious that they do more reasonable things like they recycle more or they walk more or they reuse more they don't go out of their way to destroy a painting or try to anyway uh, to get their point across if they were concerned about the environment they'd be doing things like that they wouldn't be drawing attention to themselves and defacing or at least attempting to deface because they're still trying to figure out if this painting's okay or not because it wasn't cased in glass but the frame and they're trying to make sure there wasn't any splashback from the paint. They, they, you know, they, they. This has been like one of half a dozen, maybe even more, of such incidents across Europe, where these people just kind of take it upon themselves to destroy somebody else's artwork. Yeah, it's it's not a good look. It's it's very self-serving, and again, they really don't give a damn about other people's work and it's amazing to me because if uh bonet or any of these other artists that they have defaced were still around today they might be more sympathetic to their cause than they think but they're going out of their way to destroy their art and let's not forget as documented on a previous podcast that uh, there is an organization where uh, the likes of director adam mckay and alleged comedian chelsea handler donate money to groups like this that go around in destroying art these alleged artists are okay with art being destroyed it blows my freaking mind uh, how self-centered and uh, just self-involved these people are and they don't give a shit about other people's efforts but i digress oh hey um i don't want to rant too much about about this one but I thought it would be important I will link this up on the Mike Davidson podcast page uh, Eli Steele he's a documentary filmmaker and his dad is a political commentator Shelby Steele and uh, they were shooting a movie in San Francisco I think his dad is going to be the subject of his film and wouldn't you know it they're out of the car for a few minutes and they come back and the car has been broken into and uh, eli's camera equipment is all stolen uh it's a great big twitter th uh, thread here and uh, basically he had tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment stolen and they're shooting this in a pretty ritzy area of san francisco uh and they called 911 twice and get hung up on by the operator what and then uh all sorts of crazy things happen but um, you have to read it to believe it it'll be linked up on the mike davidson podcast page but what i found very concerning was uh eli said you know i have shot some very in some very very tough areas of this country um and i have never ever 
had anything like this happen. And this is one of the more glamorous neighborhoods of San Francisco. Like, the inmates are literally running the damn asylum over there. Uh, but again, I shall link up that tweet, uh, that Twitter feed here on the Mike Davidson podcast page. All right, uh, we're going to wrap it up with this interesting story. It's, this is a little more lighthearted uh, out of Florida. Cops are testing a uh, new underwater drone, and they're showing recruits how to work this thing. When out of nowhere, an alligator comes by and attacks the damn drone while it's in use. <laughs> Yeah, again, it's on the Mike Davidson Facebook page, but uh, I think, you know, when an alligator does this with the state-issued dronage, uh, that alligator should be allowed to at least bite the arm off of one drunk-ass swimmer uh, without being euthanized. Because I don't know anybody that likes uh, drones necessarily looking in on them, uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I am kidding about the, uh, the drunk arm thing. Uh, and uh, yeah, happy Father's Day if I forget to say it to all the dads out there um, I will give you a recap about my Father's Day coming up next podcast and until then, got a few days to get through and until then stay fresh and cheesy you've been listening to Mike Davidson Live be sure to check him out on social media, like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives follow him on twitter look for at davidsonlives 